You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our show this morning here on this bright, sunny morning here in Chicago. On the It's the 20th of June already. It's amazing uh, that we're already into summertime, and what a beautiful week it looks to be. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a little hot and uh, sticky out there later in the week. And uh, so welcome once again for everybody uh, kind of tuning in here this morning. And uh, because it's uh, June, uh, we will be talking about, uh, well, you know, I'll touch a little bit on um, some subjects at the end of the show with regards to the uh, with regard to the election that's coming up on June 28th, the primary in Illinois. A lot of focus and attention on that, uh, a couple of races there. And also make a comment about, uh, and we may touch on this a little bit with our second guest on religious liberty, but some of the issues that we have, uh, concerns um, about uh, the uh, release of the U.S. Support Supreme Court decision. Hopefully that's coming. It could come today, uh, although I'm betting, uh, I wouldn't bet a lot on it, that uh, it will be probably next Monday, the 27th of June. That's what uh, most uh, of us are expecting. And they can comment or two about that. But we'll just do that at the end of the show. And we might ask our second guest, Aaron Weldon, uh, to, to mention that a little bit. Um, introducing myself, this is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. And thanks for joining our program here today on the Catholic Conference Radio R. We have two guests uh, with us this morning, and uh, both of them are well-versed in their subject matters. Uh, our first guest, we're going to talk about uh, some things that are going on internationally, I guess, uh, with our guest from Catholic Relief Services. Talk about a little bit about what Catholic Relief Services does, what it uh, its mission is throughout the world, and talk specifically about what's going on with uh, the Ukraine and uh, some of the relief efforts that Catholic Relief Services has there. And then we'll uh, jump to uh, another guest, uh, Aaron Weldon. He is with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Um, and his topical area, his topic area has been uh, expertise in religious freedom. Uh, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has determined that uh, the feast of St. John Fisher, which is, I think, June 22nd, and uh, it begins on that date, and it culminates on July 4th uh, with uh, some special focus and attention to uh, some of the gifts we have and being able to express ourselves uh, through our religious beliefs. And uh, anyway, so Aaron's going to talk about that probably about uh, 8.30-ish or so, and then I'll uh, see how that goes, and then we'll make, uh, talk a little bit about the elections and uh, hopefully the uh, release of the, the, the decision that's coming up soon. But let's see. Without further ado, maybe we can get in, we hope, our first guest. 
uh, Carolyn Brennan, who is with Catholic Relief. There you are. Look at that. Hi, the, good uh, the, the It's amazing. The uh, wonders of technology. Um, <laughs> Carolyn, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, let's just kind of jump right into the whole topic mm-hmm. here, if you can, if you can. It seems like you can see me and hear me, okay? Um, talk a little bit. You know, I think, uh, unfortunately, probably not enough Catholics know about Catholic Relief Services and what fine work it does throughout the throughout the globe, I think. You're pretty much everywhere, right? Tell us a little about CRS. Sure. You know, I was one of those people, too. I grew up yeah. uh, with my father was in the military. So we moved around all of my childhood and, you know, went to many different parishes growing up. And I never heard of Catholic Relief Services. Really? And I was wow. looking for an organization like this uh, as I was as I was growing up in the Catholic Church. But essentially, we are the international humanitarian arm of the U.S. Catholic church and community. So uh, Catholic Charities is our domestic partner. Um, Catholic Charities helps all, all those across the United States who are in need of help. And then Catholic Relief Services, the organization I'm with, helps those who are most vulnerable around the world. So we work in about 120 countries. We work through the local church and local partners in all of the countries where we work. Um, in any country, should you visit Kenya or Guatemala or Haiti or Ukraine, where I just returned from, wow. you'll meet with uh, our Ukrainian colleagues, our Ukrainian partners. Um, 90 plus percent of all of our staff are from the countries where we work. We're very much of the communities, which allows us to respond uh, with knowledge, perspective to issues that are happening in any given place. Yeah, it's really one of the things that I wish more people did know about, about Catholic Relief Services. I, I, I remember, um, you, know, you know, I'm like you, I don't think I really knew about Catholic Relief Services probably till I had this job. And then I know I, I dealt with CRS a little bit um, on some matters, uh, n- not a lot. But I remember, like the, when that uh, oh gosh, it was the t- not a typhoon, but it, it, the, the tsunami yeah. hit the Indonesia at that time. Um, it was right around the holidays, right. and and I remember talking. There was at the parish that I was attending at the time. They were going to issue a collection for the Red Cross or International Red Cross or something like that. And I remember saying to the pastor, like, well, "Why are we doing that? That's insanity. We have our very own uh, missionary function internationally uh, through Catholic Relief Services." And so, yeah, I think that the, the ref- reflex of many Catholics and Americans is they know Red Cross and they know that kind of stuff, and so they're comfortable with that. But they don't think of Catholic Relief Services, unfortunately. So, thank thank you for for doing what you do. And I think we want to try to make more people aware of what CRS does. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Ukraine and what's going on there. Uh, uh, many people, we, you know, it's it, what are we four months now uh, into this? Yes, exactly. Unfortunately, this, this and 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 it doesn't appear that there's an end in sight right now. I have not followed it. I've been a little out of the news. I've actually I was off last week, so I'm really uh, out of the <laughs> out of the cycle. But um, it, it seems like this has been four months, and and I, I don't know where this is going, but it doesn't feel good. It seems like this could be around for a while. So there's, there's a lot of people have already been displaced from their homes. Uh, where are they going and, and what what's give us the 30,000 foot view of what's going on at the Ukraine right now? Absolutely. I'm happy to. And I know it was in our news, you know, for so long early on, you know, three months, right. three and a half months ago. And now there's so much happening, of course, in, at home, here at home and around the world. So and it's a it's a lot to take in every day. It is it's so heavy. But I am. Um, so I was just in Ukraine. I just returned last week. And then uh, after spending about a, a couple of weeks there and then be, at the start of this crisis in February, I was across the Ukrainian border in Moldova, where many refugees were fleeing. And so 
uh, right now, just as you described, there's just the unknown and uncertainty of what's happening really is defining to this crisis. So it's really, for, from my perspective, so much about the family unit because mm-hmm. all men between the ages of 18 and 60 years old are asked to stay behind and defend their country. So, and, and mostly stay behind in the East. So what that means is you have families that have separated, that mm-hmm. have had to say goodbye to their older teenage sons, to their fathers, to their uncles, their brothers, um, and separate. Um, and so you have millions who have fled within the country, fled to safer areas in the West. About 7 million people are displaced from their homes inside Ukraine. And then you have a little over 5 million who have fled to other countries like Poland, Moldova, Romania, Bulgaria, you name it. And uh, 90% of refugees, when I was in Moldova, 90% were women, children, and the elderly. Mm -hmm. And um, having to navigate these massive decisions about where you go, how far you go, when all you want to do is go home. Nobody wants to be leaving their home. Um, In what direction do you go? Um, Who can you trust, you know, in this yeah. journey as you're trying to navigate where do you sleep tonight how do you find food for your children um now that we're almost four months in you have people who are in a faraway location maybe in another country who are having to just determine do i register my children for school here right now we're here longer than i thought and it's not only a bureaucratic sort of issue of having paperwork and registering you know for a school system which is pretty similar in many parts of the world it's bureaucratic but it's huh. also an emotional shift of acknowledging you're going to be somewhere for longer than you thought you would be. And I was working alongside our Ukrainian colleagues with Catholic Relief Services and our church partner, Caritas Ukraine. Caritas is the Latin word for love. You have Caritas, it's the the humanitarian arm of the Catholic church in any country that you go to. So Caritas India, Caritas Mm -hmm. Indonesia. I was working in that tsunami response that you referenced Mm. earlier in 2004 um, and Caritas Ukraine. And, and many, many other caritases around the world. And so all of our colleagues that I was working alongside were displaced. I was in Lviv in the Western part of the country. And uh, that was a small kind of outpost office before this crisis. And now it's a larger office. They had to rent new space for staff coming from the East, but to still manage this massive humanitarian response. And the needs are wide ranging, as you might imagine, you know, from things that we might need in a day to get by. So having food, having safe shelter, you know, protection from the elements, having privacy, you know, so many women making up the majority of those displaced privacy is also a safety measure. Um, You're around a lot of people you don't know. Uh, You're with your children. You might be with your parents who are struggling to either walk or move. It's a long journey. Um, But having that space to, have difficult conversations if you need to with your children and just collect yourself and figure out what's next. Um, and then having longer term solutions. So we're working with a lot of communities in inside Ukraine and then also in these neighboring countries where the residents have taken in refugees into their homes and generously, I mean, with such, there's such a, a compassion. I think we even feel it here at home, especially in Chicago. You know, there are Ukrainian flags right. everywhere I live. There is. Uh, there's yeah. a hard, large community. It's so nice. Um, but also in these neighboring countries, there's there's a genuine compassion and uh, identification with how, how this, if this could happen to them, yeah. it could happen to yeah. any of us. Yeah. I, and so we're also supporting those families and communities who are taking in refugees. I mean, you mentioned 7 million people who are displaced within Ukraine and an additional 5 million people who are displaced across another country's border. That's 12 million people. 
That's I mean, right. That's the size, almost the size of the state of Illinois. That is the state, size of the state of Illinois. Yeah. I think it's 12 and a half million people. I mean, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of people. It's, and it's like, you know, if we were all to have to flee from Chicago right. to Wisconsin, you yeah. know, it's, everybody, you're fleeing the everyone, whole state. Know, you know, it's more exactly. than Chicago. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. uh, and there's such a, uh, a shared history across these countries so shared language in many respects there are uh, just like it would be in the midwest so okay. like there's there's a real identification um because so many countries are part of the former soviet union until the 90s when many countries became independent with the collapse of the soviet union um so there's there's an identification there's a shared history there's you might have a, a parent who is romanian and you know from right. ukrainian and, and so there's definitely a a sense of identification and compassion. So that has to really help wonderful. a lot if uh, somebody's familiar somewhat with the culture, if they're, like you said, their relative, their parent, maybe their spouse is, is, is of that ethnic descent. They could be Polish or Ukrainian or, or even Russian for that matter. That's right. Um, that's right. And so there's a lot of, so that's, that, that has got to help a lot. So in, in Ukraine, um, the people I know, well, because though they're all here, but they speak English. It sounds like Eng they all, they speak English. And if they're going to Romania, Poland, uh, that seems to be, are those where they're going mostly from? Where else are they going? Yeah, P Poland is like the primary, it yeah. has the majority of refugees, um, which is Polish? incredible. Uh, so it's Pol no, actually no. the language is an issue, but is. going yeah. into Moldova, there's a shared language, okay. uh, Ukrainian and Russian. Um, and Moldova, where I was earlier in this, in this, emergency um it is not part of the european union it's the one of the smallest and it is the poorest country in europe and so a mm. lot of people were just passing through they just wanted to get to the european union so passing through moldova to get to romania mm -hmm. which is on the other side of the country um so you have a lot of people just going in whatever direction they feel like is safest where they'll have most options maybe they have a network maybe a mm -hmm. friend of a friend mm -hmm. or extended family member who lives somewhere where they can stay you know you're tapping into your networks if you have them those who are within ukraine are typically the most vulnerable they may not have had the money they may not have had the car to go out of the country they may not have a network or friends and so and you're still in a place that's in a war and so you're under siege even when i was there in a safe city lviv there are still air raids every single day yeah. where you hear the sirens for two hours and you go to a location either underground or um without windows basically yeah. for two hours every single day um and so for those within Ukraine, there's a heightened vulnerability just because you're still there. You prob you may not have the resources. And of course, for and everyone, you're, you're just, you're, you've lost, you may have lost your home. You're concerned about your family members. Uh, you may be getting bad news. There's just the compound effect, not yeah. only the physical needs, you know, of that you need when you're displaced, but just that emotional. Sure. The whole turmoil. country's on edge. Yeah. And caring yeah. for your children and, and making sure everyone feels okay, but then you're having to deal with what's happening Carol, with let's, the people let, you love most. Let's hold that thought. Let's take a quick break here. Let's come back and then let's talk a little bit about what people can do and uh, what you've seen uh, ha people do to help the, better the situation. Uh, albeit as difficult Great. it is. Um, this is Bob Gilligan. We're talking with Caroline Brennan. She's with Catholic Relief Services. She's been on the ground in Ukraine and has very uh, interesting stories to tell and will tell how we can help out with the people there. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
Charities is establishing a forum for dialogue and debate about complex issues in our world involving social values, faith, social justice, and the mission of charity. We are convening professionals who influence corporate, philanthropic, and government decision-making to foster greater awareness about the needs of our region and the power of faith in serving. Join us for the first gathering of the St. Martin de Porres Society on Wednesday, June 22nd at the Newberry Library, 60 West Walton Street in Chicago. St. Martin de Porres was a Peruvian lay brother of the Dominican order who is noted for his work on behalf of the poor. At this inaugural event, Bishop Robert Lombardo and Sally Blount, Catholic Charities President and Chief Executive Officer, will lead a discussion on poverty and the Catholic response. For more information on attending this special event, call 312-948-6797 or email us at partners at catholiccharities.net. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Do you have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for joining in or tuning in to our program here this morning. We are taking a switch here a little bit from state-focused issues that we usually discuss, and we're talking about international issues uh, with our friends and colleagues at Catholic Relief Services, who do a wonderful job throughout the entire 
uh, globe, uh, trying to provide humanitarian relief assistance to those most in need. And we've been very fortunate enough to be joined this morning uh, with uh, by Ca- Caroline Brennan, who is uh, one of the humanitarian response coordinators for uh, CRS uh, coming out from the Ukraine. And, and Caroline, before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, how people can uh, help and, and your experience there in Ukraine. And I'm just wondering if before we talk about that, um, you know, one of the things I think that's most interesting to people here in the United States is that I I have a hard time grasping. I mean, because it it seems to me that the Russian people and the Ukrainian people are so close in terms of not only proximity to each other, but because of the way in, in modern history, uh, Ukraine being part of the Soviet Union before 19, whatever that was, 1994 or whatever 91. it was. And, yeah. and, and, and it seems to me like there must be people that are part of the same family who are Ukrainian and Russian. And, and now, in some ways, they're fighting one another. Have you experienced that at all? I'm kind of intrigued by that, like how this is such a, a sort of a – there's so much history there, yet one nation, due to the – craziness of, 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 of Vladimir Putin has attacked another. But, but these are the same people, in essence. There's a lot of cultural ties there. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in many parts of Ukraine, many of our colleagues, they speak Russian. Right. Right. That is the language <laughs> that they speak. In addition to Ukrainian and, and, uh, and that, the, you know, Ukraine became independent in 91, you know, after, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union. Everyone lived in the shared history yeah. of, of World War II, of having this, and, and of course, the, the rise and fall of the Soviet Union. And, um, and so there is, there is the shared history, but there's also a, a, a deep pride of the independence of Ukraine. So mm-hmm. in the eastern part of the country, you do, uh, there are populations that are, that are, are, are pro-Russian separatists. They, they align with, you know, wanting to be part of Russia. Um, in 2014, they were, when this crisis yeah. really started in 2014, um, there were pro-Russian separatists who were funded to, you know, start the, the separatism of that part of the country. That was the so Orange are, Revolution that we went through and all that. The Orange, was that what it was called? Orange? Was that, yeah. Uh, yeah, it might have been. I, I can't remember yeah. the exact okay. name, but in 2014. Okay. And so, uh, so there are some small very small percentage of the population that would align with wanting to separate and and uh, from okay. ukraine and be aligning with russian but a majority of of people uh very much are proud of their country um and uh and sort of a defining line in 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 politics for many years uh since the independence was either being part of the european union or not identifying with the russian right heritage and history and that was sort of a, a dividing line really in politics and and uh it was in 2014 when the president at the time of ukraine you know walked away from a deal with the european union that led to these protests outbursts on the street that president was ousted and um and then we're, we're sort of in the situation today of a heightened uncertainty vulnerability of the country um with crimea and the eastern parts right. very much under russian control but 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 for many people, there's just this deep, deep, deep pride of, of being Ukrainian, of their flag, which, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. has, if you've seen the flag, it's see it blue everywhere. on the top and yellow sure. on the bottom. And the blue represents the sky. The yellow represents like the grain, the productive right. fields, right. you know, the, of wheat yeah. mm-hmm. and the kind of the flat lines represent the topography. There's just this pride of this beautiful country 
um, that many people hope will remain independent. Do you think when your conversations with people there that they are dug in for the long haul on this, or do you think they are they optimistic that this is going to end anytime soon, or what's the what's the mood? A lot of my Ukrainian colleagues, first of all, they knew something would happen, but they never expected. This. No one expected it of this magnitude yeah. of what we've seen on the images of cities like Mariupol and right. what's happened. They're just yeah. like now rubble. They just right. look like scenes from World War II. Um, I think it does seem like there's not an end soon, mm-hmm. um, which is why these decisions families have to make are, are so difficult because... One, you're making these decisions without your partner at your side. Right. You, know, you usually <laughs> yeah. make the biggest decisions of your right. life with the your people spouse, closest or, to you to help right. them, and they're having to navigate them. And and they could affect, you know, the ripple effect of that. It changes the trajectory of your life. Do you plant your flag sure. in this other location? Sure. How long will you be there? What are the Will your children be speaking a different language? Right. What are your opportunities right. to work there? Yeah. Um, so there, there's just this, the, the levels of uncertainty and the choices you have to make. Um, and for so many men um, who are fighting, you know, they were like artists, journalists, right. you know, they were podcast, just, religious leader, you know, yeah. there were all of these Walks different the yeah. people who were not ever, ever had imagined holding a weapon, you know, on the front That's lines gotta be horrible. being in such grave danger. It's so scary. And yeah. it's, there's just so much wrapped up in just wanting to feel safe and at home and care for the people near you, but also just wanting it to be over. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, watching the story of the last four months, but I do think, you know, and I don't, I say this with, with all due respect, but you know, I think you get issue fatigue over time because it was Mm -hmm. such a jarring Mm -hmm. story when you saw those tanks rolling in and and they say Maripol being ruined. And now, you know, it's been four months and like, there's no real news other than there's fighting. And, you know, is this just going to be sort of like a a long slog here? It, It, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, and then what is the American public's appetite going to be for continuing to fund this activity? And where does it go? What's the strategy? What's the plan? Is there an exit plan? All those things are going to start coming into play here. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Vladimir Putin will ever back down. So, you know, and that's where I think issue, you know, your organization is going to become increasingly important because like, how do those people now they're, now they're making their transition from this is a short term thing that this could be, this could be a life altering event for them. And maybe, you know, living in Poland or Romania or another part of Ukraine is is their new normal. And at some point in time, is that the way it's going to be? Yeah, that's, that's a difficult life. Yeah, altering set of events there. It is. And the good news I can share with you, because I know there is fatigue. You know, I, I live in the U.S. I was overseas for a long time. I'm back here. So I see. You see I have both. That yeah, you got a good, seeing, right. you know, feeling the fatigue. Perspective. But yeah. here's the good news with that is that the church is there. We're, we're yeah. in this mm-hmm. crisis that does have a spotlight. We're in many parts of the world that have no spotlight. Yeah, know, that's a good point. Right. Another, and so the, the church is there. It's there before these events happen. It has mm-hmm. a presence, you know, all of across Ukraine and Moldova and Poland, you know, these sure. social service centers that were helping in other ways before have ramped up, adapted, expanded, you know, their programming. Um, inside Ukraine, there's a thousand staff with Caritas Ukraine. They've helped 1.3 million people. Just the agility is incredible. The yeah. footprint is unparalleled. Good. And so we will be there even when the attention fades yeah. um, for years ahead as people hopefully can return home. Maybe we'll rebuild 
hopefully their homes and cities uh, will yeah. be with them. It's so happened before. I mean, <laughs> they, they've rebuilt it before. Um, so before we go, tell people how, how they can help. Uh, I would imagine donations of money is the, is the main thing. But tell, tell people how they can get more involved or help out or do whatever they can do. Absolutely. Well, you know, whatever way fits your lifestyle. So it could be prayers. That is, you know, what, what you're able to do at this at this moment in time. Uh, staying informed and of course donations help so much. Um, the flexibility is really, really incredible. Like to, 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 for CRS and the agency, our church partners across the region, we are able to move in real time as the situation evolves. So uh, the support really allows that flexibility uh, to, to respond to like the evolving situation, um, your prayers and support and just staying informed. And of course, if you know any Ukrainians in your lives or your communities, of course, just sharing your love with them goes a long way. Yeah, we, we do actually my own family in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, we do. We we have friends who are Ukrainian and going through this. So I have a sense of what it's like and, you know, trying to get family and all that sort of thing. It's it's very difficult. Um, and, and we're trying to do what we can here. I think up on the screen, they were flashing up how to help. Uh, but just in encapsulating that it's uh, I think what you said is the right thing is that it, 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 prayers are, are obviously very important. And uh, to stay informed, which is a good point. I think people sometimes gloss over that. It's good to know what's going on. And finally, you know, if you can make a fiscal don a financial donation is obviously uh, very important as well. Caroline, thanks so much. Um, very interesting. Um, God bless you and your work. Uh, hopefully you can continue on doing what you're doing. Uh, we all know how much it's needed um, all over the world. So, so thank you what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Great. I really appreciate Thank Great. you so much. Thank you. Uh, this is Caroline Brennan from Catholic Relief Services talking about what's going on in Ukraine. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We're going to switch gears. We're going to talk to Aaron Weldon. He's with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And he's going to talk about Religious Freedom Week coming up. So uh, actually, those two sort of tie in in some ways. This is Bob Gilligan. Don't go away. We'll be right back. <laughs> 